This episode of I Ride a Bike is supported in part by Allspeed, the official bike shop of the podcast. With convenient locations in Portland, Bethel, and Carabasset Valley, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit allspeed.com. Hi, I'm Seth Ballier, the host of I Ride a Bike, where each episode we follow one basic premise, to never grow old, one ride at a time, and the stories that follow. Take me back to the times when we would grab our bikes and ride the days into the night. Though our eyes would soon be open for the moment we were golden. Today I'm back here at Bracket Basin Studio, a sugarloaf in the Western Mountains of Maine, and stoked to be chatting bikes today with uh, Seth Westcott. You may know of his accomplishments as a two-time Olympic gold medal winner in snowboard cross, but what you may not know is he's also an avid bike rider, he's a a dad, and uh, currently uh, working towards being a regenerative farmer, among many other titles. So uh, welcome, uh, Seth, to uh, first double Seth ever on the mics here, So, but welcome today and appreciate your time. Thanks, talking about bikes. Right on, man, cool, cool. So you're up here for uh, the bank slalom here at Sugarloaf, which is your your deal every year up here. So yeah. it's pretty exciting. Yeah, it's 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 cool to just be home. You know, these last couple of years have been so crazy with COVID, and um, yeah, I, you know, I'd gone from traveling for 26 straight years to like being the first time that a year had gone by without getting on a plane. Nuts. And, um, yeah, it's been wild, but uh, a lot of firsts for everybody out there. Yeah, exactly. It's nice to be back in Western Maine. I, I got home this fall when uh, Adam was putting on the bike races up here. Um, so it was really like the borders opened up in August and uh, was able to come back down. And then, uh, yeah, it was just awesome to see what's going on. Um, you know, in the building towards the, the world series for the Enduro this exciting summer stuff and for sure. Yeah, it's exciting, yeah. you know, so it, it was just really, that was an awesome moment to get to be able to come home and be a part of it all again. And then, uh, yeah, it's nice to be home for a little bit. Yeah. It looks like I'm going to be uh, chatting with Adam here sometime later this spring. So nice. I'm pretty excited about, uh, his take on all this as well. So, but all right. So to get things kicked off, I want to ask you the very basic question of, uh, why do you ride a bike? <laughs> I ride a bike cause it's fun. It's, uh, um, you know, I, I think so much and especially the older I get, I like realize more and more like the kind of like the psychological benefits of all this stuff that we do, you know, and it's like my whole adulthood was, you know, I would categorize it as like being, you know, for many years I would categorize it as just doing something that I enjoyed to do. And I think like now what I understand more and more about it is like, it is, um, you know, being able to find and put yourself into a flow state is therapy for so many of us. Sure, that yeah. It's kind of like all the things that, um, you go through in life. And then we have these outlets that are so amazing and there are, you know, so many of the moments that we feel most alive. And so, um, you know, I ride a bike for fun. I, I ride a bike for the camaraderie and friendship of like, the people I've known through my life and like how you keep having like bike buddies the yeah, whole way sure, through yeah, life yeah. and those, all those shared experiences. Totally. 
Um, you know, I used it as a training tool for many years when I was on the national team, um, you know, kind of like a lead in year to an Olympic year, um, when I'd really buckle down on my training, I'd always treat myself to a new mountain bike for, <laughs> yeah. um, to get more motivated for yeah. up here. So sure. it's like that yeah. four year increment was like, so easy right. to justify right totally. there. Right? Yeah. Totally. Like, <laughs> that was like great. I always loved the spring before an Olympic games. Cause it's like, all right, what am I going to do? Bike season. Bike season. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's something, uh, you know, really I grew up in the town of East Vassalboro, Maine until I was eight, which was really rural. We were kind of like just across from the, the little red elementary school there and the, in the boat landing. Um, and you know, for me, like the, at that point, like the farming was really still active around there. And so, um, there was a German family, the Cates family that owned a bunch of the farmland kind of around the closer parts of the little village there. And so like, for me, all my buddies and I had grown up, we were kind of like a little bike gang where it was like, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't much tar around. So it wasn't <laughs> like skateboarding didn't really come into my life Same, until I yeah, moved to yeah. Farmington. Um, but yeah, like those early years, uh, my dad was working at Colby. So Waterville was an influence. And like, I can remember, uh, going into CM cycles as a kid and like, you know, that first experience of like walking into a bike shop and just like seeing all of those and like the, the rubber smell and like, <laughs> yeah, you know, right. there was like, <laughs> I still walk into bike shops around the world and like that smell is so nostalgic and, uh, that's awesome. And it was just, that was like, it was the tool to create freedom as a little kid. Yeah. So. Yeah. Right on. Do you remember uh, your first bike that you had? I do. My, my first one was terrible. It was, uh, like something, uh, my mom's dad, I believe had found at a, either like an antique store or a garage sale or right. something. It was like, could have even probably been from like the forties. It was this red thing, this big <laughs> massive seat, like curved handlebars, but it had, it had these, uh, like, you know, the, the air, the tires didn't even have air in them. It was like this hard compound rubber. Oh really? Yeah. It was yeah. like crazy slippery. Yeah. And, uh, it was like hockey puck rubber. Yeah. Kind of it was kind of like a yeah. hockey puck yeah. rubber. And like eventually like, cause there was no tubes or anything like, you know, from like skidding the rear tire and stuff like you'd start to wear <laughs> through it, but it, you could like see inside the tire, but it was like such hard rubber that it would like continue oh, still to roll hollow on the inside. It was still hollow on the yeah, inside, but it was, but it was so it was, rigid. It was so rigid. So I, you know, that thing had training wheels on it when I first got it and those came off quickly after and learned to ride around town and then I instantly uh we had a couple elderly neighbors so you know started mowing lawns at about six years old and uh that was <laughs> barely were you barely was able was to riding no no, no, no. Yeah, it was yeah, like right. this old red That's snapper no arms, no safety arms anything. above your head yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. turn it on it'll <laughs> run until it's eating you if you get <laughs> under it and uh um but yeah like started doing that kind of right away and then uh I, I had this, I got a blue Raleigh racing BMX bike that was, um, right on. yeah, just like my pride and joy. <laughs> yeah. Were you influenced heavily? I mean, if, if anything like BMX or, I mean, it wasn't really, so we're about the same age yeah. range here. So I mean, BMX was, it wasn't really mountain biking in my purview. Not but, at that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, there was an older kid in town whose parents owned the general store and they, they kind of had like an apartment up over the general store and he would get like. BMX plus and like some of the freestyle magazines. So like we would see pictures sure, of this, yeah, like yeah. of like, you know, the Haro team and all these guys like doing stuff on half pipes, but that was like so far out of the spectrum. You know, we were like building wood kickers to like, I actually had like my neighbor had a, we, we had, we're fortunate to have like for such a small town, like there was a fair number of kids around my age that were all like kind of into biking. And this kid, Joe Galico, whose parents ran the store, he was kind of like, the ringleader of like, you know, like 
showing us magazines and like showing us that there was a culture out there around That's it. That's awesome. And yeah. then with the bike shop with CM Cycles in Waterville, um, you know, we would, I'd be able to go in there sometimes like when my dad, you know, when I was with my dad coming or going from work when he was at Colby and, uh, and they had a, they had a little BMX track in the back. Like I, I never went to a race there, but like, you know, you'd go and like, Oh, an actual like real race Yeah. Track. They had yeah, like, yeah. You, you know, like now it'd be or, like, yeah. oh, it was kind of a small pump track, but sure. in the eighties it was just like a really poorly shaped BMX course. <laughs> yeah, right, right. So, <laughs> That's still um, pretty cool though. It was still pretty yeah, cool yeah. and it felt like a big deal. Like when you'd get to go there <laughs> and then, uh, at the, at the start of fourth grade, we moved to Rangeley for a year and, uh, Rangeley like kind of had a little bike scene at the time. Oh, like, yeah. you know, there was like neighborhood kickers that like guys had built yeah. and like a bunch not of, not just a two by four, not just a, no, like dirt, dirt jumps and <laughs> yeah, stuff. Yeah. And so that was like, I was only in fourth grade, but, uh, you know, like I remember like we were moving into our house and our house was like right on the, the main street there. And, uh, like watching guys go by that were actually doing like, tricks on their pegs and stuff and it was like whoa like you right. know because i was right. such a little kid and they were probably only in junior high or something but it was like yeah seemed, but they're 50 percent older than yeah you, they were 50 percent right? older <laughs> yeah. and like so i you know we'd start like following those guys around and like see where the kickers were in town like there was this big bank jump like there was a savings bank right across the street from our house but like the bank didn't care if the kids were there and so like there were all these transitions behind it like cool. that they had made into like natural dirt kickers and stuff so that was kind of like the year where I was like, oh, yeah, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. And people were into it. So. And it's something, about, you know, having uh, the older kids around, too, definitely pushes you, right? I mean, yeah. it, it's that, uh, well, I don't want to look like a, a, you know, a wimp around these older kids. Totally. So I'm going to go for that kicker, too, even if I like, bust my shins open. Yeah, you know, right? exactly. Yeah. No, you're trying to, like, trying to fit in and, and be cool. So, yeah. yeah. Did you have any uh, actual bike gangs, like names for your bike gangs and stuff like that? Never had any bike yeah. gangs. Um, <laughs> I mean, we had groups of friends, like, and especially because we were only there for a year. Year, so we moved to Farmington the next year. Um, and that was when I started to get involved in skateboarding, but there was still like every, you know, like we all had BMX bikes growing up. And so like, there yeah. was that whole component and, uh, you know, like we'd go, we actually had this, uh, there was like this old closed down factory outside of town that <laughs> one of my buddies was a neighbor at. And, um, and so like, it was kind of that time in the eighties where like, Oh, this is straight. This is straight from an eighties movie. It's right? Totally it's like from BMX an 80s bandits. Movie. And so know? like rainy days, instead of skateboarding, we'd ride over there with our BMX bikes and we knew how to like get into the building, but it was like this big open building with hardwood floors. And there was like, we'd like ended up like putting planks down the flights of stairs and stuff. So you could like oh, ride. That the, sounds so awesome. Through this yeah. whole factory. It was like definitely, uh, I was like pointing it out to one of my buddies when we were coming through. It's all torn down now, but I was like, there used to be a factory right there, and we'd no go kidding. ride bikes in there on rainy days and stuff. Oh, so. that's so cool! I mean, that that right there, my one of my dreams as a kid, I always wanted to like go to a shopping mall when it was closed and just ride my bike all over in totally. a shopping mall. Yeah, um, I probably saw it in a movie or something like that yeah, or whatever. Yeah. But um, you know, when I would babysit my younger siblings, I'd bring my BMX bike into the house, and we had a small little farmhouse out in the middle of nowhere. But yeah. like riding my bike and like we had, it was a circular you could go around the entire out downstairs whatever nice. and and uh so riding there the idea of riding in a factory would have been right geez, yeah. yeah yeah that's not that sounds pretty awesome it was pretty cool yeah. well and then because both my parents worked on college campuses that was kind of like there was a lot of not i won't say loose parenting but like i just think the freedom we had at our age yeah. at that time like you know, like if I was at Colby with my dad, he'd be busy through the whole day. So I was there and I'd have to check in, like go back to his office for lunch. But there was such freedom at that time that you'd just ride your bike all over everywhere. Yeah. And like, I don't know if you've ever been to Colby, but going down in front of the library, there's all these like stages of like, 
you know, there's like stairs, but then the lawn, the whole lawn is just set up with these like natural down yeah. rollers. So you could like bunny hop off the top of those and catch air into a transition. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So it's just like that, you know, that freedom aspect of it for me, it was just always something that you got to like, yeah. it was a way to go have fun and it was just something good to yeah. do. Did you uh, ride bikes with your dad as well at all? Or? I, uh, not really. I, you know, like kind of later on, he rented a mountain bike a few times, like when right. we were down on MDI and we'd go, um, we'd go ride around the, the horse, the horse, uh, the carriage trails down there. Right. Um, but he was a runner his whole life. So like he had a, he always had like, he and my mom both had like old seventies Schwinn 10 speeds that right. like, if I needed to go like a really far distance <laughs> right, right, to my right, buddy's right. house, I'd yeah. borrow that right, and like right. use the road bike to get over there. But, um, but he, you no, know, it was, it wasn't his thing, but it was, um, you know, he was always into encouraging being active physically. So it was like, he was supportive of yeah, it. Yeah, right on. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So you had that BMX bike. Did you have it all the way up like through your teen years or you no, transitioned to something else? Yeah. Or? I like in, uh, I was trying to think probably like seventh or eighth grade got my first mountain bike. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. again, down at CM cycles in Waterville, right like on, yeah. saved up with paper route money yeah. and like, you know, just kind of like doing the incremental thing. Um, but that was like, and in Farmington that kind of started to be a window in the early nineties where people started transitioning to them, you yeah. know, and it was the rigid frames, you know, sure, rock yeah. shocks. Yeah. 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 Um, but there all of a sudden, like kind of all of us who had been in like grade school riding BMX bikes, all kind of like, as we outgrew that generation of bikes, because we were getting too physically big, it right. was like that. <laughs> you only put the seat up so high. Yeah. It was in your knees in the bar. Exactly. It was like that changeover part. And, uh, it, it was cool because like there was, you know, a bunch of people to ride mountain bikes with, there was like. Not that anything was uh, any kind of like manicured trails or anything, but there, you know, there was so, I mean, everywhere in Maine, there's so much like three-wheeler trails sure, or right, ATV right. trails everywhere. And then we'd find new sections of power lines that we could go ride. And, yeah. um, and we, and it, that, you know, that's when it kind of transitioned to like, um, a bunch of the guys that I did it with, we all played soccer together too. So it also kind of became like a component of like, we didn't even really realize we were cardio training, yeah, you were but it, cardio yeah, training. you're yeah, summer yeah. cardio yeah. training without thinking about it. Yeah. Um, and then kind of at the same time, you know, started figuring out, I think like just being young boys, it's like that daredevil aspect of like, what can we jump over or whatever? And like, so then there'd be sections at the, at the college where it's like, if you came flying down this you know, this sidewalk, then you could gap this staircase, like over, you know, like a bigger staircase into like a downhill landing. Yeah. yeah. So we started doing some of that stuff and, um, push the limits a little bit, Yeah, trying to push the limits a little bit. And then because skate ramps were starting to be around there, you'd like, you know, start hitting launch ramps and stuff for real. And, um, any yeah. gnarly crashes as a kid you, that you remember like, took you out of commission for a little while? Um, no, not too bad. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely like slammed myself a bunch, but I had worse ones in skating for sure. Right. Right. <laughs> and you know, no, none of us had helmets or anything like that in those days. So it's yeah. like, isn't that nuts to think back? I mean, oh, yeah. like I, I was, uh, re- remembering back to when I first got my first helmet, I guess. And I was yeah. in my early twenties probably, you yeah, know yeah. what I mean? Oh, it was yeah. like, before then, it didn't even occur to me to wear a helmet. Right. Like, you'd see maybe some people with, like, those big styrofoam with a little bit of plastic yeah, on yeah, it, helmets, yeah, but yeah. Like, there was no, like, personal safety gear for no. biking. You just no, rode your no. bike. I mean, what, what's the worst that could happen? Yeah. Oh, right. You know, yeah. death. Death. Or concussion, yeah. you know? Yeah. But, 
but paralysis. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But yeah. well, we made it this far, so we did. Good. Yeah, and, yeah. It's, and now I wear. I feel like I've been having worse crashes the last three years, <laughs> like in take, my forties. Where I'm, is it? Is, is it actually worse, or is it just that we're older and you just maybe feel we're it older and it's like yeah, the injury like we don't bounce as easy. Or, yeah, that's for yeah. sure. Yeah. 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 So then uh, you grew up um, in your most yeah from fifth grade on was Farmington through high okay. school yeah. and then. You know, really around seventh grade was when I started getting introduced to Sugarloaf a little bit. Yep. Um, a, a group of friends, probably around freshman year. Um, I don't remember who the instructor would have been, but it was kind of like the first time there was a mountain biking camp in Carabasset. Right. So we we came up and stayed at uh, out at the Pines and Eustace for a week. And yep. like, you know, this guy was probably like 21 or something and yeah. like took us all around like some of the early... Um, you know, just again, still more like the old part of the narrow gauge stuff, like before that, before the town started doing anything with that. And yeah. so that was kind of like, you know, I'd never been up here in the summertime. Um, so that was kind of like a first experience. And then, I don't know, I think it might have been like 91 or something. They had a race up here, a cross country race for the first time in the fall. Yeah. And so a bunch of us came up and did that. You did. Okay. Yeah, That's what I was going to yeah. ask about because obviously. I think it was the original Widowmaker Challenge one. Okay. Yeah. Um, I don't believe there had been a year before that. And that's why I'm not totally sure of the year. It could have been 90. It could have been 91. Right. But somewhere in that range. Um, and again, it was kind of just like a cobbled together course of like a lot of the like logging <laughs> yeah. roads. Yeah. No one knew we were going. Nothing was well marked. So it was <laughs> right, like kind right. of a funny. You kind of don't want to be in the lead for the fear of missing the turn. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, that was that was cool. Um, I mean, so you were. I mean, obviously, you were. Tr so when did you start training for snowboarding, right? And then well, pretty much at the same time. Like I, uh, nineteen ninety one was my first snowboarding event. Yeah. Um, and then. By the next year, like I was start like working into the first CBA weekend program, yeah, and, right. uh, and started traveling with the school and and competing all. Winter. I guess so. So I mean, CBA would probably have been one of the reasons like why it diverged from like you're riding a bike and you're doing this race, and the, but now you're now your snowboarding becomes the thing. Right? Yeah, because yeah, and and that it was it was kind of a there. funny tipping point right there yeah. for me. Um, and then you know like. I only did a year and a half of college, but that was, um, I went out to Gunnison, mm -hmm. um, to Western state Colorado. Yeah. And, uh, but that was cool because it was like, I did have a bike that freshman year and, um, was able to like go and, uh, you know, like ride some of the, the cross country stuff in Crested Butte and like out by Hartman's rocks and Gunnison and, um, and kind of was exposed to like that Western mountain bike scene for the first time where it was like, well, like people way are bigger and yeah, way yeah, bigger yeah. and people are, you know, in this for a whole other reason. And like, I had actually, we'd had a Farmington connection, a kid that was a year older than me who had been a ski racer back here growing up, he had gone there. Um, and so like, I went out to, when I went to go, you know, interview at the school and see if that was where I wanted to go, like my senior year of high school, um, I, my dad had connected somehow with his family. And so I got to go stay with him cause he was living off campus. So got exposed to my yeah. first college party and, yeah, right. and, and uh, like, yeah, it's a good spot. And then went up skiing at Crested Butte. Like, I don't even know if I really went and did an interview right. at the school. Right, I right. Kind of, I uh, was like, Oh yeah, this is cool. I could be here. And, oh, oh, uh, oh, I also attend, uh, you know, classes occasionally <laughs> right. too. Okay. I yeah, guess yeah, yeah. so. But, yeah. Right. I can figure that out. Yeah, right. Uh, but it was cool because he, like he was all like he and his other roommate who was like another kid on the Western state ski team. They were super into like building townie bikes that were kind of like, you know, like 
maybe like the old school original mountain bikes that you'd see like from Marin County and stuff like that, where they were like all solid, but they kind of like had spring systems in the seats and like were doing like their own funky bars. Single speed style. Um, Some of them were single speeds. Like these guys actually, they lived in this, uh, it was funny. It was kind of like a old motel that had been like turned into college apartments. Like it was all college kids (laughs) living in this motel. And so they actually had like a pump track out in front of their thing that they were like doing townie races around it on. And, um, and Gunnison, like for the most part is all just flat. So there was like this whole townie bike culture there that was pretty cool to, uh, I'd never seen anything like that, you know? And, uh, and just to see that many kids at the college be all into like tricking out their own townie bike. That was like their mode of transportation was pretty cool. Yeah. Right on. And so, I mean, so at that point, I mean, you weren't about to diverge away from bikes at all. It's just that, no, 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 no. Yeah, that, that being on the snow was a big part of it, but that was, you know. Yeah. yeah. No, being on the snow was a big part of it. And then, uh, you know, financially it became a bit of a drag. Like when I came back here uh, to kind of fully commit to making Pro Tour because those were like, I, you know, started having to just work jobs all summer. And um, right. there was definitely a window um, you know, I probably went like three years where it was the first time in my life I hadn't had a bike. Right. And right. then, uh, and then when I started working with Sugarloaf, like they had a summer where the ski shop up here in the village had like a whole demo fleet of Gary Fishers that had the early rock shocks on them. And like at the end of that season, um, the rubber bushings and all yeah, that. The stuff. Yeah, the rubber bushings. Like, you know, there was maybe like <laughs> six 20. mils of travel <laughs> yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah, No, it wasn't much, but it seemed like amazing at the time. And, uh, and I, some of the people I knew through retail at the end of the season were like, Hey, you should take, like, we have this fleet, take this. It's going to help you with your training. And then that kind of like rekindled the passion for it. And I, and at that point I was living down in spring farm with a group of guys and, and, uh, you know, kind of one of my, one of at all, all along through this too, like my best childhood friend that I grew up riding bikes with, um, and whose dad was a, a history professor at UMF and was a big proponent of riding bikes. Um, he was up here to work in summer job at the golf course. And like, so we would like get together and ride. Like he had like an old, he had a Gary Fisher from that same, yeah, yeah. uh, time frame. And that was really when, you know, stuff started happening, you know, it was only like 98, 99, but like that was kind of when like people started going and like brush cutting the gauge and Mm -hmm. like, you know, like it was still like super rough. And that was like when Esker trail kind of started to get ridden. Like someone would be like, Hey, I found this trail out in Wyman. And then, (laughs) so we started doing like those bigger cross country loops that are still part of the network now, but there was only like Esker was kind of like it. And then we used to climb up, um, caribou pond road because like the loop around caribou pond like the bridges were still all good in the late 90s there and it hadn't all grown up in brush so you could kind of go up and do that giant loop up there that now is pretty much like or the last time i tried it like five years ago is pretty much impassable yeah um but there was like just kind of like some longer big rides like that around here um guest from uh i recorded a couple weeks ago he uh he runs the uh, vintage Sugarloaf Instagram page. Oh, yeah. yeah, I follow but, it. I don't know who it is. Yeah, but yeah, I, yeah. So, um, so he, but he brought along uh, with him uh, an old map, an old cool. mountain bike trail map from yeah, I think yeah. it was the early '90s. Yeah. So, it sh- and you can look at it, and you can see, you can overlay what's there now. But it was totally. pretty cool to, that there was even a trail map in the early yeah, '90s. Yeah, yeah. I have to look back and well, see exactly what year it was. But and there were some of those years, like I was only here to witness it one time, but like when they actually had like the downhill 
race, like, cause they're part of like when ASC first started, like they were trying to do all that kind of intercompany branding mm-hmm. of sports promotion. And so like the winter stuff, like in snowboarding, like we had the border fest tour and it would be here, Sunday river, uh, you know, Sugarbush, Killington, uh, Atatash, like all the places that they owned. And they had that, I think it was like route 66 or whatever was like their bike tour. Mm. Um, and they'd kind of, they'd have a dual slalom on the landing. They'd have a downhill through like, um, I think it's what is now pink Whitney that Adam just redid, but like there was an actual downhill race here and then a cross country race back before technology really yeah, could but, handle the terrain. That's totally. I mean, you could totally handle it, but I couldn't handle it. Yeah. Now. I, I couldn't handle bikes. it. Then. No, 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 no. And I remember like that was kind of right. Like it was probably actually that fall when I got the Gary Fisher. So it was like, that was when Sugarloaf was like, you know, I think through Pete Weber Jr.'s influence, because he was doing stuff in the cross country scene and his dad was kind of like helping be behind the scenes here. Yeah. So like he was, you know, had his voice in his dad's ear and was like, oh, you guys got to do something with mountain biking. And then, you know, he was definitely an influence on some of that or those early events that yeah. happened here. I think I'm just thinking, I keep picturing like these uh, bikes from the early 90s doing yeah. all this downhill stuff. And you look at today's Enduros, like the worlds that are coming up oh, and yeah. stuff like that and these insane bikes, right? But like, I think it'd be kind of an interesting, uh, they must do it, but a vintage ride yeah, like, like race. Like cross country, or... you can only ride a bike that's, you know, pre-92 right. and like a cross country race and see what that's all about. Yeah, you know, yeah. Maybe modern helmets still, but yeah, other exactly. than that, exactly. You know? Modern safety gear. <laughs> I, wonder how, I wonder how that would go for people who aren't used to it. But. Yeah, I know. Well, and it, yeah, it's, <clears> and it's cool, like, just... You know, some of that stuff started happening, and and because the touring center was here, like some you know some routes out there at that point were rideable. A mm-hmm. lot of it was too soft in the summer, like until Josh and his guys started getting in there to do work. Yeah, you know, I don't know if it was like it can maybe get around oh four or something yeah. when he started all the Nemba stuff here. But yeah, um, yeah, it was it was just cool. And then we actually had a window of time where um, a guy that. I lived with, or it was kind of like I lived in his house. He was still in the insurance business down in uh, Hartford, but um, he was, he had actually been on like one of the 7 Eleven like cycle oh, yeah, teams yeah, back yeah, in the day yeah, totally. and then had worked for Cannondale yeah, for a while. Yeah. And so, like, when he got here and I first met him, he was really into doing trail building and he was one of the guys that also started like simultaneously with some of the glading, yeah. um, like out in what is now become bracket basin. Oh, right so on. cool. A bunch of us that were like doing that glading met him. Yeah. He was building trail network in Wyman out like from around his house. And so from a bunch, for a bunch of years, like Glenn and Bob Ash, um, and Josh and like a bunch of us would like get together and do a Tuesday night ride. But it was like all stuff that like Glenn was like building a trail network in Wyman kind of before any of the other networks started. Yeah. Um, and it's so a- then there was this whole window like where he was like actually like building some bridges to get over the wet zones and, right. and all that kind of stuff. It's amazing. I mean, it does take a lot, you know, initially it usually takes one solid self-starter to make something yeah. really happen. Yeah, but yeah. once it gets a foothold, I mean, now it, the volunteers, I mean, especially during COVID, everyone totally. was outside helping yeah. and volunteering and without volunteers out there trail building and just doing trail maintenance or whatever it yeah. is i mean it wouldn't be anything it is nowadays we'd still be on logging roads you know totally. uh, suffering through all that but yeah. um it's so great that it's oh, i yeah. actually spend more time up here in carabasa valley now in the summer i think than yeah, I do yeah, in the yeah, winter yeah. because yeah you know you'd be hard pressed to find a day where you can't just mountain bike but exactly. you know there might be days where snowboarding might not be the, the best or it might be yeah, too yeah, crowded yeah. or whatever it is you know right. 
but well, and for me, that's what it really transitioned to too, because like I, once I got on the national team, then it was like, I was gone from November 1st till the end of April, for, right. you know, I'd have one or two or three weeks home in the whole season. But like, you know, I got on the team in 99 for the first year. And so then it started being like, I'd be out traveling around the world all winter. And then I was really spending my summers here. And that was kind of along the same timelines of like when Josh got everything going with the Nemba group yeah. and, and things started to seasonally progress. And then like the town became more supportive, the town fixed, uh, the gauge. Um, yeah. And, and then it has just, you know, incrementally grown every year and really, you know, great thanks to Josh Tausis that he had the vision and the drive and the energy to like be, um, you know, kind of like, you know, not like a cheerleader for it. He's right, a cheerleader yeah, yeah. for it, but he's like the ringleader too. Where yeah. He's like willing to put all his heart and soul and his effort and be out there every day when it's the amazing. bugs are terrible yeah. Yeah, and, right. and like oh. in his net hats. And anybody and, who's in Maine in the springtime, oh, yeah. I mean. Well, and the, you know, the other thing here too is like, I, you know, like I know it just from like the glading stuff that we did for Sugarloaf and then like, having my own woodlot down at the end of the valley, like this, like the forest here is relentless. So like to keep that done, <laughs> yeah. beat back yeah. all the time, it's yeah. like, it's a serious labor of love. And it's just, it's amazing what Josh has created and that the town was as supportive as they were and that he figured out how to get grants and to be able to keep guys working for all these years to create this network that we now have. Yeah. It's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I certainly have saying, I, I absolutely appreciate it. And it's funny, like a lot of the writing I've done in my, you know, earlier years where I'd find a trail and it's like, it never really occurred to me that, that someone actually built that trail. It's just like, Oh, there's a trail here. I'm going to go ride on yeah. it. But it's nowadays, I mean, I mean, you go over to the outdoor center and just doing par three or whatever. It's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, just having that as a kid, I would have, my mind would have been blown. Oh, like yeah. I can't imagine totally. having something like that, you know? So, totally. I mean, kudos and thanks to everybody out there for all yeah. their effort and stuff like they're putting into it. So, yeah. but, um, all right, let's take a quick, uh, water okay. break here. Cool. <clears throat> I'm a little parched and yeah. then, uh, Listen to a couple messages from uh, all those great sponsors out there. We'll be right back. When I helped design my line of AMF Roadmaster wheels, I said make them red, white, and blue to bear my name, Evil Knievel. You can see they're built solid, flashy, and hip, and the bikes come with these safety tips that bear my name, Evil Knievel. So if your kids are thrilled, I know just how they feel. These wheels are real exciting and bear my name, Evil Knievel. Finally, the days of having dirt back under the tires is upon us. Well, maybe some mud and a few sketchy potholes, but it's spring, and I for one am stoked. And to get you ready for another great season, all you have to do is stop by Allspeed's amazing new flagship store, conveniently located right off the Portland Trail System at 936 Brighton Avenue. In addition to a full range of bikes and accessories for riders of all levels, the super friendly staff at Allspeed is ready to help with everything from your basic spring tune-up to a full custom build. And be sure to keep an eye out for a season of fun events, parties, and shenanigans. With convenient locations in Portland, Carabasset Valley, and Bethel, Maine, Allspeed is the local shop for everything bike. For more information and to check out their latest hot deals, please visit allspeed.com. Allspeed the official bike shop of the podcast. All right. 
water glasses are refilled and we're back with Seth Westcott. Uh, we left off in the early 2000s. So you're at the point where you're uh, really stepping up your snowboarding game. Um, the Olympics are a few years away still. You don't even know that you're going yet. But uh, what what uh, what was life like around then? What were you riding for a bike? Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I started, I had friends that owned um, the bike and surf shop down at Wells, Wheels and Waves. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I started through those guys. Like I actually got on to a couple, a uh, couple Cannondales that went for like, kind of like my next eight year window. And, uh, the first one was still hardtail as a lefty and, uh, but awesome cross country bike for around here. Um, and then kind of, I was trying to think of exactly the timing and then like in the le- like between the 06 and the 2010 Olympics, I got my first full suspension, but like to go back a few years there, like the, I started training in Europe, um, kind of like the summer of Oh three, I, I started dating a girl from Switzerland that was on the Swiss national team. And, um, the U S team didn't really have much in the way of off season training. Um, so we just kind of started, like we'd be traveling together all winter. And then I started spending summers, uh, in tune in Switzerland, which is at the opposite end of the lake, um, from Interlaken. And so there it's like Interlaken's a huge tourist mm-hmm. zone there, um, but kind of right in the foothills to the real Swiss Alps. And, um, she was on the Scott team for snowboarding. Um, but got like, you know, some of their, you know, at that time, really nice, uh, full suspension kind of early <laughs> enduro bikes, yeah, yeah, if you yeah, will, yeah, you know, yeah. like they weren't called that or anything. Well, yet, they were mind blowing at the time. Though. They were mind blowing. I remember at the time seeing and them full like, carbon, I don't even know what that is. Full yeah. carbon fiber. But yeah. I, and I was like, yeah, I was like riding a hardtail lefty back here. And then I'd like go over there and, and like just the way that the, the Swiss mountains are and the country in general, it's like the, every bit of their country is utilized in some way. It's either like agricultural land, urban land. Like her, her dad was a, uh, uh, engineer that a civil engineer that had worked on a bunch of like the country's major tunnel projects. And he would always, he was always like, he would just talk about, you know, like, uh, you know, like every acre of our entire country is like zoned for one thing or the other. Like he was like, he, and he had worked in Manhattan, like kind of in the sixties. And, uh, he was always blown away when he would go to the West of like, how much just open space there was and stuff that wasn't even being utilized. <laughs> yeah. And like for him growing up in Switzerland, he was just like, it's crazy. Like everything <laughs> yeah. is either like a trail, a cow pasture, managed timberland recreational area, or right. like an urban place <laughs> yeah. or agricultural land. And so, um, but like all around. So good to get those other perspectives, right? Yeah, you know, totally. And so all around Tune was like, they had pretty, like, I don't know when their trails would have started built, being built, or they were just old hiking trails or whatever, but just this incredible trail network. And so you could go, you know, like, that was like the first time I'd ridden a bike with a, you know, rear suspension lockout. So like when you go to climb, like you could just climb a tar road for two hours and then have this insanely long downhill run where you just like click, click. And then like you have this full suspension bike for the first time. And, uh, yeah, between her and one of my first, uh, Alaskan free riding partners who had been one of her childhood neighbors growing up, Uli Kestenholtz, who was on the world cup with us too. He was like a super talented biker. And so I started just kind of like 
part of go. our summer training kind was like the older kids when you were a kid. Yeah, and exactly. Like push the limits, following them around. And then like seeing guys like actually riding downhill bikes in the forest in Switzerland, like doing crazy gaps and just like, whoa, this is this whole other level. But it was really cool introduction into like that next phase of like now what I would be like, yeah, that's like become my life and biking is like, you know, being in BC at this point, like a lot of the stuff we ride, like whether it's the park or, you know, so much of the Whistler Pemberton Squamish scene is like, you'll go and climb for two hours and then you're basically like doing (laughs) downhill on your enduro bike or whatever you're riding. And, uh, and it's, yeah, it's like this whole new spectrum of riding bikes that just blows my mind and that, and that really started in switzerland like between 03 and 06 yeah and so did you have you always stuck pretty much to the woods then on bikes i mean besides you know the connecting little towns together on a, on a mountain bike did you ever road bike at all or was I, that... I never really did yeah. i actually i just got my first gravel bike this summer so yeah. um where our farm is we've got just we our farm road is like this huge road cycling kind of mecca for that part it, there's no hills and it. it's like you know you can go like fast 50, and straight yeah it's like you can do a 50k loop on this whole thing without having to get it the only traffic you have is like agricultural traffic nice um so and then there's a uh just down the road from our place is a farm that uh they do all kinds of organic food but like their main business is they've actually created a brewery there the beer farmers so like everyone kind of does this bike loop and Sounds it's magical, like they can, man, yeah, yeah. they can stop off and have a nice hazy IPA on the way. And, uh, that sounds pretty but, great. but it's really cool. And it, and it's like, I don't know, you know, like it, it's neat. Like, uh, Finn Isles lives on that street who's on the world cup for downhill. Mm-hmm. So like, you, you know, you'll see Finn just like, he, you know, he's like, if there's not a downhill in the next couple of weeks on Red Bull TV, it's like he's home and you like you see him out just grinding the miles on his road bike with his Red Bull helmet on. And so it's kind of like it's so neat to actually um, kind of just see the behind the scenes of some of that stuff of like the normal daily living, the normal riding, daily yeah, living yeah. of like world class bike riders. And I, you know, I've never lived in a scene where you'd like have interactions with world class <laughs> bike riders and stuff. So it's uh it's been really neat. Um, yeah, like I, I got a, I, I have a friend that I knew through the snowboard community who was from uh, New Zealand originally, and then was a international coach, and that I knew him. And then when I moved to Whistler, um, you know, he kind of was like the first, like, "Hey, welcome to town! Like, come on, let's go! I'll show you around the bike trails." And I got terrified for <laughs> yeah. a few months until I kind of got used to the level, but. Uh, like even just last summer, he's like, oh yeah, this is my buddy, Chris. And, uh, so we, you know, ride up the chairlift with this guy and just talking bikes and stuff for a little bit. And then Chris gets off the lift and goes and, and, uh, he's like, yeah, yeah that's Chris Kovark. He has still has the largest, uh, time gap margin of victory ever in mountain bike downhill history. Oh, right. Like, like he'd won a downhill by like 14 seconds. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Some, Which doesn't happen. It yeah, just yeah. doesn't happen. And, and it's, so it's like so wild. And I, like, I knew Brett Tippy through snowboarding, but like, Brett in BC and you know all over is like this mountain biking um you know he's a character like you know he's done stuff all over the world and was part of like that early Kamloops scene when they started like free riding the, mm-hmm. the sand pits and stuff but like 
Um, you know, I just always knew him as this funny guy in snowboarding that like was a nonstop joke teller. Right. Yeah. And, uh, and then you're like, wait, what? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Like I didn't know his whole other side of his sporting career. And it was uh, so fun to, to all of a sudden like get your, your mind twisted when you're like, wait a minute, you do what? Is, in yeah. addition to like what I've known you as. Totally. Like, yeah. Totally. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so yeah, it's it like, I don't know, like just learning some of that scene has been so cool and then getting exposed to it and then like progressing in yeah. in my 40s you yeah, know like right. i'm doing bigger jumps than i'd ever done in my life in my 40s on a bike now and like that that is so fun and it's like just become even more of a passion that it's like um learning new trail networks like it's a, it's a huge part of the community there you know like we we've got a uh couple carpenters that have been helping me on projects on the farm like just you know like building the sheep barn and building the tax shed sure. for the horses and all this stuff and like but like there's a really cool community where like the a lot of them moved from all over Canada because that was such an epicenter of biking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, one of the questions I ask a lot of people is, yeah. you know, if you could travel anywhere to ride bikes, yeah. where would it be? And BC is always totally. you know, right at the top of the list. Totally. That and Bentonville, Arkansas. So Yeah, yeah. which <laughs> it's funny because I'd been to Bentonville for sponsor stuff over the years because it's like a hub for yeah. um like we would do fundraiser events down there um you know it's like kind of like where the walton family started mm -hmm. and there's like all this um like procter and gamble connections and stuff like that and so like it was funny how like that was another place like i didn't get to ride bikes there yet but it's like i have wanted to go back because i got to go there to do yeah. um some kind of like you know Sometimes like you're, you're like you'll have a sponsor request and they're like yeah we want you to go to Bentonville Arkansas to talk about snowboarding and you're like well you're like what who, yeah <laughs> it doesn't equate it doesn't really, equate right? yeah yeah, First yeah, time yeah. I heard about the bike network there which apparently is amazing totally I, I was like I was like wait you mean Benton like where Walmart it's from like Bentonville Arkansas like yeah like, yeah, yeah. Like, oh yeah that's the place so yeah but well, since, of course since looked it up and it looks amazing yeah so, it yeah. does and uh, yeah and there you know it's like just neat that there's all these kind of meccas in north america and globally yeah. like because everyone has this shared experience of riding a bike and like it gives them an influence on their life and like i always kind of go back to that fun and freedom thing that it's like it takes you back to being a kid yeah. because it's the way that we as human beings like process joy and elation and yeah. all these things you know it's like it's such a simple thing. Like if you're having a bad day, go ride your bike and you're going to be pretty pumped. That's the quote of the episode right yeah, there yeah, for yeah. sure. But, um, so back, back, let's back up a little bit to yeah. uh, the earlier, you know, the snowboarding, the Olympic years, I guess, 2006, 2010, 10, right? Yeah. Somewhere in there. So you're, you're obviously training pretty heavily to yeah. defend your, your medal and stuff for 2010. Yeah. But was, were you ever nervous about riding bikes? Like the, the danger aspect of it, you know, and in relation to, you know, potential career ending you yeah know? i wasn't really i uh you know like those summers i would definitely go super hard on my cross-country riding mm -hmm. here in the valley um I, you know i was definitely a little freaked out a few times in europe in certain situations and i if like i had to get off and walk i'd get off and walk sure. where i'm yeah. like i don't see that line so i'm just gonna <laughs> yeah, get yeah. down this little thing um but yeah no i mean i i like i always felt like I needed to push my boundaries in different in any way that I could to create a better comfort level with what I was going to do with my snowboarding. Okay. Um, and that, you know, like that, it was kind of, it was the same year. It was like 2003 was the first year I went to Alaska and started riding big mountain lines. And, um, at that point, 
Um, there was about a five year window where I was really into whitewater kayaking too. And so I just felt like any of those things that can put you in a flow state is going to be beneficial. And thankfully I never had a yeah, bad yeah. A career yeah, ender yeah, yeah, from yeah, yeah, one yeah. of those things. Cause, um, yeah, it, it's just, uh, I, I really think that they all have an interconnected value in helping you, you know, if there's one thing that's going to be your competitive venue, those other things all feed into that. And then they're all cross training for it. So yep. they, they help you. Yeah. That, be comfortable. Uh, I mean, we hear a lot about that, about the flow state of things yeah. and whatever. And, and obviously I hadn't really thought about it that deeply, but uh, yeah, if you're, it's, it's creating that mental state, right. Is what totally. you're getting at. So it's like, you know, you're surfing or whether yeah. you're snowboarding or whether you're mountain biking, it's, I'm blanking on the word, uh, visualization. I literally totally. close my eyes to come up with the word visualization. Yeah. So anyway, but, no, uh, but it's true. And, it, and, it, and I really think it's all, it's, it's a way that it simplifies the human experience for those few moments because you like, you do stop worrying about anything else that's in the background. And I, I really experienced it through surfing a lot too. And that it's like, you have to be present. You have to like, be reading the wave that's coming at you and deciding if you're going to go or not. You got to like decide if you're in the right place. Yeah. And it's kind of like, you, those are like the great things in human experiences. Like when you're actually just present and in the moment and you're not thinking about, you know, like some bill or whatever, you know, <laughs> right. like you can equate it to anything, like some problem with, you know, the rack or like, yeah, you know, you're fraudulent just, Uber charges on right, your credit card. Totally. <laughs> like, and, uh, and I know, like, personally, I feel, like, really, really fortunate that I got to spend a career that I was, like, able to, like, be in that headspace and be physically in tune and, like, trying to be in that space as much of the year because, really, that was kind of, like, what helped me prepare for what I was going to do in the winters. Yeah, for um, sure. Which was just an amazing thing to get to pursue for that many years. Yeah pretty rad experience yeah. i'm sure yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. so uh, you you obviously have traveled you know half of your life more yeah. or less uh, for snowboarding and training yeah. and events do you travel now much just to go mountain biking or biking um, anywhere i haven't really yet um my wife and i just got you a, live in bc i live in bc <laughs> so. um but we did we did just uh like right before christmas we were fortunate we found a property out on an island that's uh on the gulf side the eastern side of vancouver island um, and we were, you know, like when I was young, my parents had a place, um, down Waldeboro on the ocean because they worked at universities all year. They'd have the summer break. And so we'd kind of go down right. there and, and Kit really has always loved the ocean. So we wanted to like find a place. So we, we were fortunate to, um, to get this property this year, right before Christmas. And then, so it was like the first, it was the first time I hadn't stayed around snow for Christmas. Like yeah. normally that was always like, Sorry, I forget you mentioned that to me, like the first time. Yeah. I, not I'm, on the snow on Christmas. Totally. Um, so we, yeah, we went over there and spent 10 days and, um, and you know, it was cold, but it was like, you could ride bikes in the yeah. forest there like all winter. And then I was, I was just back there a couple of weeks ago and it's like so neat, like now that it's kind of like, you know, we just had a really bad four week snow cycle. Like mm -hmm. we had sketchy layers in the back country. It wasn't snowing at the ski hill. They're not as proficient at grooming out there. So it's kind of like after a couple of weeks, you're like, eh, I don't, I'm going to like just do other projects and stuff. So we kind of were like, okay, let's go back to the Island. And that was, you know, why we hope to find something like that, that as life goes that like you get to have a little bit of an escape. And like, so for me, it was really cool. And that was like part of, um, 
we either wanted to be somewhere where we could surf, but like, I feel like most of my surfing life was in Maine and it's like, <laughs> I really love surfing and I also really love surfing in warm water. Yeah, right, <laughs> so right, yeah. I was like, I don't yeah. necessarily have to be even further North than Maine and surfing. <laughs> yeah. Um, with bigger fish, too. with bigger fish, yeah, a lot yeah, bigger yeah, fish. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was like a big component of it. We wanted some place where we could have a recreational outlet, um, so your wife rides with you a lot too? A little right? bit. Yeah, 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 okay. yeah. She's had a couple bad, she's had like worse bad bike crashes. Okay. <laughs> so yeah. she's also a little timid, but I think like this trail network is going to be awesome. She does, she does a lot of gravel riding, like out where yeah. the farm is. Yeah. And, um, and it, the same thing, you know, like it's, I, I think that kind of active, um, cardio, like I, I, I've always thought about it as active meditation, you know, like I, am not someone that meditates. I don't do that. I don't have that practice in my life. What I have is like riding a bike, um, you know, like being on my snowboard, um, these things. And I really think that that's like, for me, it, it's that, um, time that I calm myself. I get to have yeah. cardio. It wasn't I necessarily like, a learned behavior where you're yeah. f- focusing the discipline of it. It just became naturally as a totally a component of it. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It makes me happier. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Healthier, yeah. all those things. And, that, I, and that's like the great side benefits yeah. of it. I can't say, I mean, there, the number of times I've come back from a bike ride, more pissed off than when I left is rare. You yeah, know what I mean? Exactly. So it's like Something, usually, it's usually, that's like a, mecha- a bad yeah, mechanical yeah, or like, what, yeah. you're that's more what, bummed because you're like, oh, that's going to cost. Like, right, exactly, yeah, right. Do that shock. Or, yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. Do you uh, see yourself uh, or do you ride a race at all on bikes? Um, I, or have I, any not, desire to do it? Not really. I mean, I I, uh, I did the one this fall. I, I'm going to do a wild card into the uh, EWS this summer here. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I started doing the 50K um, for the the Carabasset Cross Country Challenge. Yeah. I like that. Like, I, I like the idea of it's today. Yeah. The weather might yeah, right. suck. Yeah, yeah, like, right, we, I, right. we had one of those years where it was just like a monsoon the whole time. But yeah. it's like, all right. I'm going to slog through this 50 K and, uh, and I do like that component of it. And because so much of my adult life has been focused around competition, it's fun to do it in in a different venue. Right. Um, I don't see that I'd like do a bunch of it, but I like, you know, like I'd want to come back now that travel's kind of resuming to normal to like do this every year, do the, do the 50 K. Are you doing Um, the 50 K this year? I think so. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I I signed up for the 25 K. My first bike race I've ever done in my life. Oh, no way. So I didn't want to go. Yeah. 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 But uh, it looks like a fun time no matter what. So it is. my only goal is to not finish last. So, totally. You know. Yeah. No, <laughs> and, and a bunch of the years, like, I just kind of, you know, like, picked one or two friends that it's like, hey, we're going to just stick together kind of right. no matter what. Yeah. We're going to yeah. get each other through <laughs> this. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, like, the last time I did it was uh, – probably the summer before COVID and uh, one of my buddies, Chad Coleman had a bad mechanical. And so he had to drop out, but we like, we stopped for a while. We're like working on his bike. It was kind of like, well, the race part doesn't matter. It's like this experience of doing it together. And then when his butt, we, he, he, uh, he actually blew a seal on his shock. And then that was causing, um, that was causing derailleur problems. Cause it, you know, it was like, everything goes. So, um, so he pulled out at one point and then my buddy Seb Tucker and I just continued on and, and kind of hammered out the rest of it together. But I, I think like, you know, that, that's kind of the fun experience of it. And like, especially where so much of the riding that I've done in Carabasset over the years was either like, you know, the old Tuesday night rides we do in Wyman or mm-hmm. doing the Valley loops and stuff, but it was all like kind of that shared experience. Yeah, so right on. when I do the races, that's kind of how I look at it. Yeah. But 
Yeah, um, that's cool. So you, so you're a dad now. Yeah. How, yeah, yeah. how old is your? Uh, my my daughter's daughter. four and a half. Yeah. My stepson's thirteen. Yeah. Um, so we're kind of at two ends of the spectrum. Right. Um, Thorne goes out and rides the bike park with me. Okay, cool. He doesn't yeah. love to pedal, but he does love the yeah. bike park. So that's cool. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, this is riding a bike. He's man. riding yeah. a bike yeah. exactly. And then um, yeah, Yiva was about two and a half uh, when the pandemic set in, and so. We uh, we just kind of, you know, for those first really like four or five months dove into our farm project. But it was like before we melted out, like thankfully we've got, you know, like almost a mile worth of road on the farm. So she at like two and a half Best, yeah. would go out on her on her run bike and I'd be like, OK, like, let's go to the mailbox twice, you know, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. like because it was just kind of that like weird unknown time, like where none of us knew what was going to happen. And uh, it was a pretty great place to be, though, right? It was a great it, place yeah. to be. It was like beautiful views on yeah. either side, like the dirt. It felt safe. It felt safe. And especially time. with a little kid at that point, like, you know, I'm going through that process for the first time. Oh, and God, so you're right, just yeah. like, that's all you're trying to do is protect them. And. <laughs> Um, so it was really cool. Like I'd, I'd go out and just work on my wheelies in the, in the driveway while she'd be run biking down and, um, yeah. And just like do a bunch of laps there until the trail started melting out. And then really like, that was kind of like the first shared experience. Like one of my buddies is a snowboard photographer that lives in Pemberton. Um, a lot of the, uh, Pemberton trails are all South facing. So those are kind of like, and it's about a thousand feet lower in elevation than Whistler. So those are like mm-hmm. the first things to melt out and get riding. Cause like we weren't going down to Squamish that year. Cause right. like just too far, it's too, too much far to and too yeah. much. And yeah. no one knew what was going on, but we'd kind of start meeting up and like, we weren't, you know, they had signs at the trailhead. You weren't even supposed to do that, but we were like sneaking out together and going for rides. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, it was just like those first that, cause that was really only about, you know, those trails kind of opened up like snow wise about six weeks into that initial lockdown. Mm-hmm. And so, it's so not, I mean, it's, it's already been two years. I know it's you know, crazy. It's pretty nuts. But I remember, I mean, that's probably was one of the first social things we did was yeah. grab our bikes, head to the woods when yeah. we were sort of allowed to, but I remember still being like, I guess we need to like not ride right next to each other and totally. create some space. And do I still wear like a bandana over my face yeah, when I'm yeah, riding? Yeah. And so oh, it was yeah. so much uncertainty around all yeah. of that. But, and we'd um, even like park kind of like at slightly yeah. different places. Like he'd come over from his house, I'd park over at this like, yeah. town DOT lot. So like no one would really say anything about, you know, you weren't parking at the trailhead. Right, <laughs> right. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just pretending I'm not going this way, but I'm going to ride the trails. Yep. And it ended up being the one thing that, uh, well, Definitely one of the one one of the things that uh, helped keep my sanity through it. Oh all, yeah, so without yeah. a doubt. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean for me, even just those like every sunny day, like I'd be like, okay, Eva, let's go out. Like we're gonna ride your run bike to the end of the yeah. thing, and I'd yeah. I'd, so she's four and a half now. Four and a half now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. She riding a regular bike. Uh, she yet? started riding a pedal bike this yeah. last summer at yeah. like three and a half. Yeah. Um, yeah, and then you know it's crazy there because like that town is so hyper sports focused that they're like, what, you don't have her in the DFX program yet. (laughs) It's like, dude, she's four. Um, so I don't know, like she's, she started doing two days a week of ski school this year and is loving it. Like we tried not to push it. We did like one ski day when she was two, two or three on the harness when she was three. Um, but you know, she, this whole year she's skied on her own and, um, and so it's rad to just like see that development. So I'm excited for this summer, like for bike riding with her. Cause it's yeah. kind of like, you know, she learned to ride her pedal bike last year. She was still like, she'd actually kind of rather still, we have just like this little hill there and she'd rather still jump. Like last summer she was like having more fun just jumping on 
the put the run bike yeah. and just like sending it down this little hill. So I'm like, all right, it's all Maybe good. Maybe it should just be a single speed rider someday, and like, you know, yeah, 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 keep it simple. Totally. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm I'm super looking forward to riding bikes with her this yeah. summer as that progression happens. That's so cool. Yeah, I mean, and watching them. I mean, you're progressing. You said you're like yeah, yeah. Getting, hitting bigger jumps than totally. ever or whatever. But you know, watching them go from two and a half to three and a half to four and a half, it's like exponential. Oh, like yeah. beyond, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and just and I think you know this year with the confidence that she gained in skiing. I mean, that all it all translates. Yep, again. So it's yeah. I mean, not, not only flow state like totally. we're saying, but also confidence level. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, something I'm definitely working on is my confidence in uh, the in riding bikes. Been actually going back and forth with somebody. Like I said, I'm doing this, the first cross country race. Yep. So I've been riding flats for years now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But everyone's like, "Well, cross country, you should really do clipless." Totally. And, and I just. I just go back 10 years in my mind to like going across to skinny on in clipless and right. falling off of it or yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. it is and the roots and the rocks. So oh, yeah, I don't know. I, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I went through that transition cause I had been on clipless for level. a long time here, you know? And then when I went back to Whistler it's like, I'm like, Oh no, I'm right back on flats. Cause yeah. it was yeah. like, even like, you know, the cross country trails and quotes there, you know, like there's stuff where you're just like, Dude, I'm overexposure here. Like, I can't. Like, I if I gotta get off, I gotta get off. Yeah, like, right, I'm not yeah. gonna like do some tumbles that I've done on the East Coast all clipped in. So, yeah, um, yeah I've gone back to flats. Now I'm curious of like kind of going to, you know, like some of those kind of combo pedals. That's a bit of a flat pedal with a clip. Just yeah, because I was looking, a buddy of mine was recommending yeah. these ones from uh, Crank Brothers yeah, or something yeah. like that. The, yep, basically a flat with an egg beater in the middle. Totally. So it looks totally. Maybe I can wrap my head around that. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, yeah, it, it's a weird, yeah, it's just weird because it's like depending on what the consequences are, you know, right. it's like I got so used to riding clipless for so many years and then when the consequences are all of a sudden gnarly, I'm like, well, I, I kind of want to be able to jump off the back of this thing <laughs> right, if I need to. Right. And, I mean, for um, the benefit of efficiency versus potential yeah. more danger, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I might just go for the, I'll, I'll forego the efficiency. Yeah, yeah. totally. <laughs> Scrap the efficiency yeah. and make sure I'm safer. Right, right. Yeah. Walk away from it anyway. So yeah. Um, so if you had to choose, I don't want to have this be a loaded question. If yeah, you had yeah. to choose uh, for the rest of uh, your days, biking or snowboarding? Um honestly like in a powder situation snowboarding <laughs> yeah. I, lately it's been so you're funny. not allowed to know where you're going or what the i know, conditions I, know, are, you know? I know you had to only pick one of the things to carry um, in, the, in the van yeah I, it's that's a really hard one um, <laughs> I mean, it's a loaded question it is a loaded question but it's all right uh you know it's like the thing that i've been having so much more joy with with riding bikes is like just getting more technically proficient and then due to like fox right. <laughs> and not my knees and my cartilage <laughs> i'm like the jumping aspect of like you know i'm jumping more on my bike than i am on my snowboard these sure, days yeah. unless i'm in deep pow so it's uh it's it's funny it's until uh, fox starts building knee braces building right? knees yeah exactly <laughs> like you get knee replacements now from fox um yeah it, it's, that's not too far off it's Watch probably out, not know? too far off which is i'll be grateful for like in my 60s um yeah it's uh it's really hard like you know i'm so passionate about both of them i mean my snowboard experiences are shifting a lot right now like i'm you know a lot of times depend unless the conditions are super good on the ski hill i'll avoid the ski hill and like i've started getting into um there's a bunch of uh snowmobile access touring um, yep. where we are in Pemberton. So I'll like, I'll, you know, if I have a full day free, um, I, basically I know I can always get powder. And so mm -hmm. it's like, as long as I've got another buddy to go with in sure. case we have an avalanche situation, we'll go and, uh, 
we can sled up this road like 10, 12 miles, park the sleds. You know, I'm not into sled necking. I've never been into any of the mechanical stuff. Like it's always, (laughs) it was always like gravity or pedal my whole life. Um, whether it was skateboards, bikes, snowboards, um, but it's great because now then I can go and like climb. It's kind of, it's really reminiscent of the mountain biking because I can go and tour for two hours, mm-hmm. have one unbelievable pal run, go home super happy, never cross a track. <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of becoming more and more my snowboard experience, which is awesome. Yeah. Um, I yeah. love it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, um, I, I am so psyched to be home right now. I'm psyched to ride these next couple of days, but it, it also like for me, like in a place like Whistler, like the resort experience there is so busy. It's so, um, overblown in a way, you know, mm-hmm. and like, there's great yeah. places. Like I have my little hidden pockets sure. that I go to, but it's, it's also just a different experience than like what, um, you know, I was traditionally used to. So it's kind of like for me, like that, the snowboarding part and being able to like, move more into the backcountry to me is way more reminiscent of what riding bikes was yeah, that yeah. you're in this quiet environment yeah. and, uh, avoiding resorts more yeah. and more. You still get that, uh, feeling when you come around, Oh my gosh, corner. Oh yeah. 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 No, like I had <laughs> today to run. It was to, a beautiful day. I it was, just drove up today. It was I, awesome I had to, to run it, to but... Kingfield this morning to meet up with an old friend of mine. And when I came back, um, like the other day when we came back from New Hampshire, it was, uh, it was just pouring rain and fog. So you could like hardly <laughs> see any of the hill and, and, uh, so it was awesome coming around the corner and actually just seeing it in the sun today. So and, great. Yeah. That's I mean great. that, I don't think that the rest of my life that that feeling will ever change, you yeah. know, like Sugarloaf shaped me in so many ways and, you know, growing up just down the road, you know, I had, until I went West, I'd never seen a bigger ski hill than this. Right. Yeah, so like yeah. there was always that feeling from childhood on of like coming around the corner and, uh, and just being thankful to be here because it's, it's such an amazing spot. It really is for sure. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Cool. Well, I feel uh, like that's probably a good spot to end it on. Right on. Feel good for you. Yeah. It's yeah. a good time talking about bikes, any other organizations or anything you'd like to plug while we got you. Um, I mean really just, you know, the CV number group, you know, what Josh Tausis has created and, and everyone who's been passionate about it and all the volunteers and, you know, people like Tim flight that's out here grooming trails in the winter and, um, you know, just that passion behind biking, um, in Carabasset and like what that has meant to this community that, you know, I remember when there was kind of nothing to do here in the summer still. And, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's just so cool to see how far it's progressed because of people's passion and that, you know, like, I haven't seen this new trail network and Wyman. I've seen some pictures, but it's like, I'm so psyched to come back this summer and ride bikes. And just like, it's just amazing how it keeps growing yeah. and how it's, it's such a positive outlet for everyone. And so it's, I, you know, to those guys and to Josh really, um, for his vision in what he wanted this to become, um, you know, just thanks because I know it's been a lot of hard work for a lot of years, but he's created, some magical stuff here yeah. and it's it's cool to see that keep progressing yeah and anybody out there you uh you know you get inspired by these kind of stories i hope and uh find your local you know nemba chapter if you're in new england or wherever you are and uh volunteer for a couple hours and it comes back to you exponentially you know enjoy and seeing everyone else out there riding and stuff like that so yeah yeah, yeah. cool man well uh, thanks so much for your time seth yeah. really appreciate you uh, coming down here to we call it uh bracket basin studio today <laughs> Uh, my, my buddy's kitchen table, but, you know, we'll make it sound more professional. <laughs> but anyway, thanks so much for your time. Um, anybody out there, uh, you, you have any stories you'd like to share? I'd love to hear from you, as always. You can visit 
iRideabike.com to learn a little bit more. And uh, please follow me on Instagram at iRideabike. My wife, Katie, has promised she's going to take over my account. So it'll actually become something worth looking at. So anyway, until next time, ride safe and ride happy. Take me back To the times when we would grab our bikes And ride the days into the night Though our eyes would soon be open For the This has been a production of iRide LLC. For more information, please visit iRideabike.com. Theme song by Spencer Alby. Want to hear more? Enter at Spencer Alby on socials and streaming platforms.